Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Paul Adifarasi is the founder of Metropolitan Senior Pastor of House on the Rock, a multiracial, multi-tribal, and multifaceted church with several daughter churches and ministries throughout Africa and in Europe. A Christian minister, author, coach, motivator, and broadcaster, he preaches hope, healing, productivity, and empowerment to all through his television program, Something is About to Happen seen in millions of homes across Africa and Europe after more than 20 years. He is also the founder and president of The Rock Foundation, a charity committed to social reformation, education, provision of healthcare and relief work within Nigeria. Pastor Paul is the convener of The Experience, the largest annual musical event in Africa. He is married to Ifai, who co-pastors the House on the Rock Church. They have three children. Please welcome to Mandate 2020, Pastor Paul Adifarasi. And a very special mention, this Lord's Day, we salute the convener of the Men's Mandate Conference and the senior pastor of Jesus House, London, and a phenomenal leader of significant capacity in networking the body of Christ and society for greater good. Please join me this evening and acknowledge the esteemable uh, effort and endeavor of Pastor Agu Iruku, a childhood friend of many, many years, in fact, of a lifetime and also all the contributing speakers to this great conference. Um, Ken Costa, a phenomenal philanthropist here in the city of London. Uh, Pastor A.R. Bernard of that phenomenal church in Brooklyn, New York. And of course, Lord Hastings himself, uh, delighted and considered a great honor to speak alongside you at the Men's Mandate Conference 2020, themed thriving in uncertain times. Well, rushing to the Word of God very quickly, do turn with me to Mark's Gospel, the second chapter, and uh, we'll be reading from the first verse, but first of all, we want to look at Matthew 8, 11, and 12. We won't be needing the scriptures immediately, so I want to deliver some preamble before we get to the moment. Uh, honored to be here and to serve you with the gospel. Um, when Pastor Agu commands, we obey. My subject this conference meeting is in harmony with the theme of the conference, and I'm titling my thought, Breaking Through in Uncertain Times, because uncertain times present barriers, obstacles, mountains in the way of careering into what God has purposed and planned for the individual and the community, particularly for the global body of Christ. And as we look at Mark's gospel, the second chapter, in a few moments, it speaks of a man whose life was paralyzed for some reason or the other. It could have been congenital, it could have been an accident, it could have been the invasion of some sort of disease that caused the palsy or the paralysis, and he needed a breakthrough. And the might of God, the power of God was available in proximity to where he was. And he seized the opportunity, as difficult as it was, with barriers all over the place that made it difficult for him to come into the very presence of the one who would grant him reprieve and relieve him of his terrible, debilitating condition. And that story is set in the context. And the context is given to us better in Matthew's Gospel, the 8th and the ninth chapters. And in the scriptures, Matthew 8, and I choose to read from the message version of the Bible for these two verses, we see there uh, what 
Jesus speaks to as to how faith works, that faith is not a religious exercise, it's a relationship trust. And he says in the 11th verse, this man, speaking of the centurion, is the vanguard of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, streaming in from the east, pouring in from the west, sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Abraham epitomizes faith for us, and that's why he's mentioned. And then we see in verse 12, he continues to, to speak and says, then those who grew up in the faith, those are insiders, but had no faith, will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace, and wondering what happened. My subject today is simply but breaking through in uncertain times. Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. I read in your hearing. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, a paralyzed man, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him because of the press, because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, and they're messing with somebody's house, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately, whoo, that's the kind of breakthrough God wants to give somebody. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth in front of them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it in this fashion. Immediately as Christ spoke, he arose. There's coming a rising in somebody's life. And he went forward. Your life is not going backwards, it's going forward herewith. And went forward in front of everybody, insomuch that they were all amazed. You are about to receive an amazing breakthrough in your life. I don't know who you are, but send out five texts to your best friends and tell them, get ready. There's a sudden breakthrough about to happen in your life that's going to amaze you and everybody. It's time to pray. Father, bless your word to the hearing of these who confer uh, today in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and grant us the richness of your presence according to your rich glory that we may enter into that presence and receive from Christ all that he has for us. We pray in Jesus' mighty name and everybody who believes say a very big amen. In the several miracles here in the book of Matthew, we see some important uh, characteristics of this, this virtue, this value, this uh, currency called faith. Uh, so that in the desperation of those who demonstrated their faith, we see boldness and audacity with intensity as faith was expressed by them in search of meeting their needs from the Lord. And somehow the odds are stacked against all these five recipients of the miraculous interventions of God in Matthew 8 and also the five in Matthew 9. And you'll appreciate then that they exhibit faith in the face of very great need. In Matthew 8 and verse 11 and 12, the Bible uh, says that the children of the kingdom who grew up around the oracles of God end up outside and become outsiders uh, to the power of God. What a travesty. Whereas others who didn't spend a lot of time inside the church, inside the house of God, seem to end up with the blessing of the Lord because of the intensity of 
how they approach the Lord in search of meeting their needs. And so we see in Matthew 8 and verse 11, and I read again in your hearing for your benefit, how uh, the outsiders become the beneficiaries whilst the insiders lose the opportunity of coming into the blessing of God's intervention. And we see it there again in verse 11 and verse 12 in the message version of the Bible. He says in the 11th verse, this centurion, he was a Gentile, he was an outsider, who will soon, is the vanguard of many outsiders who will soon be coming from all directions, thronging, streaming in, in from the east, pouring in from the west, and sitting down in God's kingdom, in God's banquet, alongside the, the father of faith, Abraham, and his patriarchal sons, Isaac and Jacob. He goes on to tell us that those who grew up in the faith but had no faith will find themselves as outsiders to the grace of God and wondering what happened. Isn't it interesting then, my friends, that insiders are great at having church and they're experts at, at religious ritual and ceremonialism and the practical habits of what you do when you come to the house of God. Second Timothy chapter three and verse five tells us that they have a form of godliness, but, but it denies the power of God thereof. And he warned Timothy, turn away from such people. Why? Because religious ritual, it, it pretends to be faith, it pretends to be piety, but it's very void of relational trust and confidence in the interventions of God. And so if an outsider comes into the house of God, what generally tends to happen is that he will feel like he's out of place. He'll feel like he's not really a part of what's going on because uh, the insiders there are so expert at their rituals, their form, their ceremonialism, their routine, and their behavioral patterns that, that he feels far afield from them and is not able to integrate. Uh, but as an outsider to the house that Jesus is in, it's so easy to feel out of place because as you come in, you see all the pretense, you see all the pious routine, you see the ceremonialism, and yet you just ignore it all. Why? Because the weight of your need outweighs your approval from them. That you don't really care what they think any longer, but what you really want is you need to get a breakthrough from this man called God, this God called man, who has a burgeoning reputation that's springing up all over the region for the last few years, that says he's a friend of sinners, he, he's attracted to the outcast, he's a friend of the outsider, and there's a litany of outsiders who receive from him because they recognize that he alone could do what needed to be done in their lives. And so uh, the insiders are astonished when an outsider comes in, breaks all of their protocol and behavioral patterns and breaks into God's presence and walks away with the power of God on his life and a miracle that he needed so that he's blessed and yet he was an outsider. And so the insiders fail to recognize that it is the intensity the drive and the desperation of uh, the beneficiary that God responds to. It's, it's, it's the intensity, the audacity, the desperation that, that God responds to uh, as the seeker comes to seek a breakthrough from him. And so if you are not willing to seek him intensely, if you're not willing to pant after God the way the deer pants after the water brook, if you're not hungry for righteousness, uh, then you should not expect to be filled. Uh, look at the intensity of the leper in Matthew 8, how he breaks up into Jesus' presence. He doesn't announce that he's unclean because he doesn't really care about their laws or their rituals or their protocol. He just wants to make sure that I connect with the master and that I take home my breakthrough. Look again in, in chapter 8, you'll see the story of the 12. They're bedeviled by a terrible storm. It's sinking the ship they're in. The master has promised them to go over 
over to the other side and yet it looks like they're going to come to a watery grave in this terrible abyss of water tossing its waves up into the air and tossing them into the boat is completely filled and in their exasperation they rush over to him and say don't you care that we perish and he answers to them and, and chides them for their lack of faith and for their cowardice and speaks to the storm and the storm is immediately stilled and they traverse over into the next place. Then you have the centurion and the centurion has a terrible issue uh, and it's, it's one of his favorite servants in the house who, who's dying. He's at the point of death and he rushes over to the master having heard a lot about the master's capacity and ability to heal and to deliver, to save and to help. And, and he bequeaths him, he says, or he beseeches him, he says, please come and help, come and help. And, and the master says, all right, let's be on our way. He says, no, you don't need to come. I know who you are. You have more authority than, than me. And, and, and I'm a man in authority and a man under authority. I know what authority is. And you are the authority over the whole universe. All you have to do is speak the word, Master, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was amazed at the quality of this man's faith. That he said, I've never seen all this faith, this kind of great faith, even in Israel, even inside the house, yet an outsider comes and is able to, to provoke grace to move even away from immediate proximity. Look at the house crashes in chapter 9. They break into a house and they force their way where there seems to be no way. And they, they bring a guy into the very presence of the master. We see the bereaved father who's lost his 12-year-old girl. He comes over to the master in worshipful faith, in trust and confidence that the master can do it. The bleeding woman intercepts him en route to raise the dead girl back to life. And she receives a miracle, not from his will, but from his nature. What is the common denominator between all 10 of these recipients of the miraculous? That common denominator is that they all came into the presence of Jesus. The most important thing, the most important reality in the believer's life, the presence of Jesus. The Bible says concerning him that uh, in his presence there's the fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now all these 10 recipients, they have all heard so many fantastic things about the master. They've all heard about the amazing grace in his life where he gives to people who don't merit breakthroughs because they're outsiders and they come away with more blessing than the insiders. Uh, he's very inclusive to the outsiders and the insiders feel failed to draw the grace and the power of the Lord. And so the presence is paramount. The presence is premium. The presence is the chief desire. David said it this way, of all the things I desire, including silver and gold, nothing I desire compares to my desire for your presence. Because in your presence, there's a fullness of joy. That joy is the result of satiety. It's a result of, of uh, nothing broken, nothing missing. It's a result of the shalom in your life. And as a result, there are pleasures therewith forevermore. And the presence is powerful. Without the presence, our gifts don't operate. Without the presence, our mind isn't at its best. Without the presence, we don't have this awesome sense of how big our God is and the fact that he's not an outside God alone. He's a God who dwells on the inside of the believer. And, and so we love the presence. And, and you don't have to come to church to gain the presence. You, you, can, you can have the presence all by yourself at home. You can have the presence all by yourself in the car. You can have the presence with you all day long and a presence that you are conscious of so that you feel invigorated and empowered by the God who's never far away from you but says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And it's not just a witness, it's an indwelling for the believer. And so we don't really come to church just so we can have the presence, but because we have the presence, we come to the house of God because the presence is an ongoing experience of miraculous interventions of glorious pleasantries in the riches of his glory uh, the presence is that place where we understand and know that we have a God who is bigger than the universe bigger than time bigger than here and there God who doesn't need to travel because he's everywhere at the same time David said there's there's nowhere that I could go to that your presence is not already there did you not realize uh, that when you went out this morning the presence was with you in the house uh, and when you got in the car or got on the bus the presence 
presence was there also. And when you arrived where you were going, the presence was there already. Because the presence of God is the community of God, is the communion of God with you. So that you have a sense that I'm not in the battles of life or in uncertain times by myself. I'm with God. Uh, God is with me. And if God be with me, who can be against me? And so in the midst of his presence, there are always these pleasant things that happen. There are pleasures forevermore. And because of the pleasure of his presence, I want to come to church with my experience. And it might come with me singing a song or preaching a word or raising a word of knowledge. And then somebody else comes with, with their own experience. And when we all come together to share the rich experiences we have as a result of his dwelling presence with us, it causes a cataclysm of terror to the enemy because the people with whom God is are a terror to darkness. However, if you are not focused when you come to church, you can fail to come into his presence because you can be distracted easily by certain people you like or certain people you don't like. It's easy to be distracted from the presence by things you've heard and what they said about the singer or the preacher or a person or a deacon or a demon in the house and so you're distracted and you lose the prime purpose for which you came into the house of God which was to focus on his presence because you didn't come to show off a suit, a dress, a tie or a car. You came because the weightiness of your need has dragged you to seek the one who can alleviate your problem, supply your need, vanquish your trouble and deliver you from your oppression. Hear me child of God, when you focus on Jesus, it makes you shut out all the distractions so that you don't leave the service the same way that you came. These serious seekers that you see in Matthew 8 and Matthew 9 uh, they were driven by their serious need, by the weightiness of their problem and how weighty it was an issue for them to ensure that another day doesn't pass with such an opportunity of his presence uh, that they were not going to go back uh, without getting their breakthrough from him. And they didn't care therefore what the superiors uh, or uh, the seniors uh, or uh, the uh, Methuselahs in the house thought. Uh, that was not their concern. Uh, they recognized that they were there but they weren't going to let their presence uh, or the look on their face uh, distract them from the primary reason why they came. Look at the two serious seekers in the text. Here is the leper. He comes out to meet Christ. And the lepers, as you know by law, are not allowed to come into community. They couldn't sit like we sit or talk like we talk. They were meant to be ways outside the town and the city in a commune exclusively for people with Hansen's disease known as leprosy. And they were forbidden to come into a space where human beings were. And if they had to pass through or others came nearby, they had to cry out, I am unclean. I am unclean. But there's no notice of this leper saying anything like that because in his vision, he saw a moment when he would connect with the power of God in Jesus. And that by the time the connection was over, he would no longer be unclean. He would be cleansed of his leprosy. And he makes his way with intensity, boldness, and audacity and comes into his presence. And in the presence, he doesn't wait for anything. He tackles the master there and then and says, if you want to, you can make me whole. And Jesus was astonished that an outsider has more faith and audacity than the insiders. And he said, I want to put his hands in the leprosy and said, behold, and go and tell the priest that you have been cleansed. And the man walks away with his bricks through. Jesus is on his way to raise a dead girl back to life. She's the daughter of worshiping Jairus. And Jairus accosts the master and the master says, all right, I'll come. And on the way there, whilst the miraculous power is stirring and bubbling up like an overflow about to reach into the girl, 
another woman who has had a problem for as long as that girl had been living had been saying to herself after she too had heard fantastic things about the master that if I can just touch the hem of his garment I shall be made whole she didn't say if I can talk to him she didn't say if I can get him to talk to me she said if I can just touch the hem I'm going to be made completely whole she kept saying it because every time she saw the crowd around him the voice of the crowd suggested to her you're not allowed to be here because by law if you have a flow of blood she had it for 12 years you're not allowed to come near the community you're an outcast you're somebody far away you're an outsider but look at her she comes she probably crawls and she gets there eventually and the moment she touches the hem of his garment she's completely made whole and the master feels power exude from him and he said who touched me for I feel power has just left me and and the, the guys around him the insiders said Lord it could only be us he said no I'm not talking about an insider touch I'm talking about an intense touch a touch that when she touched my garment I could feel the weight of her need I could feel her desperation I could feel her audacity that in spite of her being unlawful in my presence she decided I ain't gonna work by the law I'm gonna work on his grace and she touched his grace where it flowed the most audacity and instantly she was healed and God called her a daughter of faith a daughter of Abraham the story goes on uh, and uh, you realize that one of the qualities of each of these beneficiaries uh, is that they just didn't care what anybody else thought uh, because crowds can have their opinions of who God should heal who God shouldn't heal what God should do and what God shouldn't do what God can do and what God cannot do and who's permissible in his presence and who's not permissible in his presence but look at this woman she insisted I am going to get my breakthrough uh, God is up to something I feel power about to break forth in your home where you're viewing you have to learn then that you must press through the opposition of ignorance you must press through uh, the opposition of disbelief you must press through the envy and you must press through uh, the attitude of the superiors and the seniors you must press through how they are dressed and how you are not dressed you must press through the fact that they drove up nicely but you had to hitch and hike and then eventually catch a bus you have to press through all the difficulties and the inconveniences of coming into his presence and must recognize then that how you came in here just does not matter I just must come into his presence and all these varied opinions about me just do not matter as long as I leave here with the breakthrough that I am looking for from the master notice then that it is not the haters who determine what can happen in the presence of the Lord nor is it the aspirants that look for a miracle that determine uh, what the master can do it's the star of the story his name is Jesus he is the one who determines what can happen Jesus is the real star in the miracles that happen to these ten persons Romans 9 and verse 15 says it aptly and there he tells us uh, who it is that determines the miracle for God said to Moses I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion verse 16 uh, for it's not of him that wants it nor of him that runs to try and get it but it's of God who shows mercy and the last time I checked about his mercy in the book of Hebrews the Bible says come 
come unto the throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy and find help to, to meet you at the point of your need. The master, the king of glory, is also the king of grace. That means he's in the business of giving you what you don't deserve, of giving you what you could never earn, of giving you what others on the inside think is their right, but because you know it's not your right, but it's his nature. You can take what they couldn't take because they felt so entitled that they never really touched his mercy. Who is it then that will determine who God will and will not deliver or what God can and cannot do because my friends it is in his presence that my faith meets with his limitless grace it's the presence it's the presence it's all about the presence uh, that thing that when it comes on you uh, you feel God bumps all over your being you feel a stirring of possibility in your heart and you have a knowing in your knower that with God nothing shall be impossible it's in his presence the joy is restored it's in his presence that power is released it's in his presence that prayers that are confident in his ability are answered it's in his presence that my deepest needs are met that means when it's time to enter his presence we must come with absolute focus and block out all the distractions I'm going to meet with your presence I'm not going to be denied your presence because if I can just see you I know your heart from all the miracles you've done to undeserving people I know your heart your miracle won't pass me by I'm gonna get it I will not leave the house of God without my breakthrough and a serious connection with God till the power of God is resting on me and I have a connection of fellowship with that grace I don't come to church to show off a new suit I'm not in church to show off a new dress or a new car. I'm not in church to meet some nice people. I came to the house of God to do something that will provoke God to do something to me that has never been done to me before in my life. I'm looking for a change in my life. I want a transformation and I want it desperately. I hear Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17 and 18 and there he declares, for the Lord is is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and we all uh, beholding with open face uh, the glory of the Lord uh, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory it means then that I must redefine prayer and the redefinition of prayer is as simple as this prayer then is faith bringing need to Jesus, the King of Grace. Prayer then must be redefined as faith coming with need to the presence of Jesus. So faith therefore is one coming to Jesus with confidence in him and confidence in what he can do and confidence that even if I'm the worst guy and the most terrible scoundrel or even a Gentile, an outsider, uh, his presence can change me whilst he changes my problem. Uh, you don't serve God. Uh, if you don't serve God with intensity, uh, you ain't really going to get anything from him. Note this, but you cannot really seek God with intensity if you have no needs. Yet uh, we don't serve God with intensity if you feel that all your needs are already met and that your life is honky-dory and nice and dandy. But it's when you know that there are some gaps, there's some flaws, uh, there's some, some faults, that's when you recognize I need somebody to fill up that which is lacking in my life. It's when there is a level of desperation so pressing that your desire becomes so intense and irrefusable and importune that you pray in a different way. It's a different level of prayer. It's not cool, calm, 
calculated it's desperate it's exasperated and it's drawn out as in I will not let you go until you bless me so where you know that if God doesn't do it it cannot be done that if God doesn't fix this it's not going to be fixed because nobody else can fix it but your God and so we understand then that it is desperation that brings you to God with intensity so what I mean to say is that your life is at the brink of devastation and you are mindful that this is the kind of situation that if it doesn't go the right way it might cause you to give up because you are so on the edge uh, what I mean to say is there's a tsunami coming uh, and it's so big that nobody can stand in its wake and remain alive and I'm caught there and the last man on the brink uh, and it's a terrible place because if it comes and I'm not rescued I'm wiped out uh, but I have to find him in the moment and so I have two choices to throw up my hands and surrender to the tsunami to take me away or I can call on the power of his presence and say God save me uh, otherwise I'm done for and the tsunami will wipe me out but that same situation where I'm willing to throw my hands up and let it wash me away that same situation another person who has faith does not allow it to become a situation where he gives up let me say it in the way that you get it so here's one person uh, in a situation and that same situation given to another person who has faith it doesn't become an opportunity to quit and to be washed out but instead to the one with faith it becomes an opportunity to be intense it does not become a scenario where I throw up my hands and say wipe me out but instead it becomes a time when I am determined that Lord I will not let you go until you bless me because if you don't help me now I am finished so I'm going to grab a hold on to the Lord with everything that I have in me I'm not leaving here wiped out I'm leaving this brink with an abundant life my life is going to get better after this so it means to me then that grace is something we need and it is necessary to the gospel as Jesus is uh, so John 1 verse 14 says uh, that we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth verse 17 the law came by Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus in other words he gives you what you don't deserve so if you can get in his presence because he's the almighty and the most gracious he has something for you he can turn it around in your life the Syrophoenician woman understood this right well but if you're not hungry for his grace and what his grace can do you may miss out on the opportunity of receiving from him I was in your city a few months ago before the pandemic broke and I was so hungry I missed my meal times and I went to sleep hungry and I woke up at about 2 a.m. in the morning hungry and I was hungry for a specific kind of meal and that meal was about 25 miles away from where I had laid my head down to rest and I was so hungry for it nothing else would satisfy me there was none of that particular meal in my refrigerator and so even though I was in my pajamas I put on a house coat went down and started a car up and drove 25 miles to a shop called Marouche Pastor Argu turned me on to Marouche because uh, I wanted to eat a shish tawuk wrap or two or even three and I was so hungry that I didn't care what they thought about what I was wearing and how inappropriately dressed I was what I was hungry for I was gonna get and when I got to the vicinity I parked and got out of the car and ran in and said I want some shish tawuks uh, put a little bit more of this and that on it ran back in the car and looked for a parking space and I didn't care that I looked like a tout uh, dressed in pajamas and a house coat uh, because I 
was so hungry for it uh, that I was not going to be denied. The seller didn't care what I was wearing. He just wanted my currency. That's just like Jesus. He doesn't care what you look like. He just wants to know, do you have the currency of the kingdom of heaven? Do you have faith that doesn't care what anybody thinks or how badly they try to retard you or, or push you away or prevent you by their religiosity? He said, just come. Just come. Because if you can just come, whatever your need is, if I see you want it more than all the other folk in the house, who do you think I'm going to respond to first? I respond to intensity. I respond to audacity. I respond to desperation. Because I want you to know that I am a good God. That I'm a friendly God. Especially to all you outsiders to the gospel. Hunger is necessary. Why is it then that some churches and some persons lack intensity or they lose their intensity? Why? It's often because success gives you a sense of satiety. Where success was really only to bring you to a place where now that you are satisfied, you move from survival to success and success to significance where you now look to add value to others because value has been increased in you. And the result then is that you still have needs even though it's not personal needs now. You're there to meet the needs of a community and a people and you're as hungry for them to get their breakthrough as you used to be for your breakthrough. And when we lose hunger, we lose intensity. When we lose hunger, we lose our passion. So that the worship is on in the church, uh, but we sit there like spectators. Uh, we're not really participants. Uh, we, we clap our hands and cross our, our knees uh, and say, what a good song. Thinking that, that the, the minister was, was, was a performing artist, but really they were just a lead worshiper to, to inspire you to do what they were doing and to worship as they were worshiping. And when we lose our sense of need, we lose our passion. When we lose our passion for worship, we lose our consecration for worship. Uh, when we lose our consecration for worship, we lose our intensity. So we no longer have power because power is the result of passion, consecration, and intensity in seeking the one who holds the power in his hands. So when there's no more passion for worship, no more passion for praise, no more passion for prayer, they see it all as entertainment. And they get nicely entertained and they never engage. And the worship service is meant to be for engagement, not entertainment. So in Matthew 8, we see the five miracles of grace. And in Matthew 9, we see the five miracles of freedom. The five miracles of grace taught the width of Jesus reached to those furthest away, to the Gentiles, to the women, to the lepers, and even to the demoniacs. Uh, while the miracles of freedom in Matthew 9 uh, taught that the way to freedom is through faith in Christ. Meaning then that I don't have to remain bound in sin anymore. Meaning that I don't have to remain bound in poverty any longer. Meaning I don't have to remain in sickness or fear anymore. If I can just find my way through the power of faith in Jesus Christ to release freedom in my life. And when you understand that, uh, you begin to believe God uh, uh, and you have to believe him through all uh, the discouragement and disappointment that you've had to fight through and come unto our God believing that he is able to bring you out. And it's about coming in to know that he can take you out. And so we look at these five miracles of grace uh, in Matthew 8 and one scholar writes... Uh, and says that we can actually grade faith. I'm not sure I agree with him, but that we can actually grade faith. And he tells us that the leper's faith was personal and modest and very confident in Christ. And he says to the master in his plight, if you want to heal me or if you want to make me clean, you can. And the master says, I will. And he's healed. And he's given an A-star grade by, by the scholar. And the centurion, his faith is excellent 
God. Uh, but his situation was not personally degrading. It was that of another. Uh, uh, yet he had faith for the other. And so uh, he was happy to give him a good grade. And he gave him a B star. A B star. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law's deliverance in the house was born neither of her faith uh, that was good or her faith that was bad. In other words, her faith was neutral. She was just there. And uh, maybe he did it because of Peter and the hospitality in the house. Uh, and he walks and rebukes the fever and she's made perfectly whole. And so she gets a simple C, just a C, an ordinary pass. And then the 12 disciples in the storm on the high seas was more of a rebuke from Christ for their cowardice. And says to them, why are you so full of fear? Oh, ye of little faith. Yet they were eyewitnesses of all his exploits of power and his signs and wonders. Yet when it was time for them to release their faith, they are impotent to deal with the challenge, yet having been given power by him in authority of his name, they weren't able to use it. Uh, but still, in their panic and pandemonium, they still come to Jesus uh, and they get their miracle. And so the scholar gives them a D grade, a D grade. It's almost a failure. And then the demoniacs at the other side of the sea when they arrived there, uh, met Jesus and started worshipping him. Their body language was worship, but what came out of their mouth was hostility from the pit of hell, because they were owned by demons in their legions uh, from the region of darkness. And in spite of the insults and the insolence, uh, Christ ignored them and was silent to their insolence, uh, and he still delivered the demoniacs. So look at Christ. He still applauded faith. He praised those who had exhibited great faith. He applauded them who had faith. He measured faith. He called some faith little, some faith misplaced, some faith he called great, some faith he called uh, little. Uh, he rebuked the cowardice of those who had no faith uh, and, and chided them uh, for having been eyewitnesses and yet they still had no faith. He was silent and ignored the insults of the demons in the demonically possessed man but look at Jesus he never walked away from faith no matter the grade of faith that it was whether it was great faith or little faith or no faith or misplaced faith he never walked away from faith therefore all that I've got to do is to come to him any way that I am any way that I can I must just come believing that God will make a way where there is no way. Believer, can I tell you something today? I want to know, do you still have any measure of faith left in you for the fight that is in front of you? So that you can tell the devil, uh, the roof is coming off my faith, but I will not be denied the blessing of the Lord in my life. This is the gospel. Jesus is the hero. It's not about your faith, it's about his grace. So no matter how small your faith is, his grace will make up the difference. And in the moment, he will speak to you. And his speaking will make up the difference in your faith if it's needful. Or his action will cause you eventually to believe. So then we must ask the question, what is justification by faith? Romans 5.1 It is not justification on the basis of faith. It is simply divine help. Uh, because no matter how much faith you have or you don't have, as long as you come, you are justified. As long as you seek him as savior, he makes it just as if you never sinned. So what is justification by faith? It is simply put, divine help. Regardless of the quality or lack of faith. It is simply divine help, regardless of the grade or the scale of faith. Help me in text four people right now and tell them, just come. Just come to Jesus. Stop trying to qualify or quantify your faith because faith is blinkered. Faith is myopic. Faith has a one-track mind and its one track is I must connect with Jesus because everything
everything we need is already in him it's in situ Colossians 2 verse 9 for all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ so the power of the creator father uh, the creative ability of the creator son uh, the majestic omnipotence of the creator Holy Spirit uh, is all in this body called Jesus Christ and if you come to him he tells us in the next verse uh, that you are complete in Christ so when faith comes in the room uh, the first thing faith says it's let's remove all the limits and the boundaries that we put on what God can or cannot do let's remove the boundaries on what we said God will and will not do don't tell me that what's happening to your daughter cannot be fixed by God don't tell me that because she's not an insider she cannot get help from God that's not your business only he can determine who he's going to heal because it's not of him that wills nor of him who runs but of God the king of grace who shows mercy because when I come to Jesus if the roof is on the way the roof has to go when I come to Jesus if the ceiling is in the way the ceiling has to go I am not going to allow a ceiling on my faith because I personally believe that if God wants to do it he can do it I'm like that lever it's about whether he wants to or not so when I come to him everything that makes getting to Jesus difficult for me has to get out of the way it has to be removed I want to ask you a question do you know that so many people panic and want to turn back and quit and go back empty when it looks like everything including the tsunami is against you but I want to tell you I know something about faith faith is not lazy enough to wait for somebody to save a space for you so that you can come to Jesus conveniently only spiritually lazy people do that especially you know how folk say um, uh, uh, can you reserve a front row seat for me in the church uh, I'll be coming my name is so so and so uh, and can you also organize a parking space that's nearby so I don't have to walk four blocks to get to the service uh, can you make my access a little easier uh, otherwise they ain't coming to church and if you don't make it easy for them they're not coming but sometimes coming to Jesus who is in high demand is not always a convenient thing but when you are thirsty for God it doesn't bother you where they park you so even if you are parked four blocks away at Brent Cross and you have to walk across the bridge and the overhead uh, to get there and you've got these high stilts that you're wearing what do you do I like those whose faith is intense even though they've got their Ferragamo high heels they'll put them in a big bag and put on their slippers and walk with brisk pace as if they were athletes and all four or five blocks to get there they'll get there when they get to the church building they slip the slippers that's why they're called slippers they slip them into the bag and pull out the Ferragamos and then they start walking in again and whether they get a back seat or a front seat mostly they'll always come early to get the best seat possible because they are hungry they've been thinking about it all from Saturday night and now it's Sunday morning they will not be denied can I talk to somebody they came to church looking for the presence they didn't come to church to find a wife or to find a husband they came to church to get a breakthrough they're not in church to show off the best face or the best dress or the best suit in the house they came to church looking for the presence of the Lord because they are absolutely in desperation for the breakthrough of their lives so every now and again uh, you have to have a circle of faith partners men I hope you're listening who can carry you when you cannot carry yourself and so these four men they had heard about Jesus his reputation had burgeoned or perhaps it was the man himself and he was told about people who were paralyzed and you may not have 
paralysis of the body but with what the whole world has been through so many human beings feel like their careers are paralyzed uh, their prayer life is paralyzed aspects of their being are paralyzed uh, and they feel like I, I can't move anymore I know what it's like been there done that and if you don't have some faith partners who can carry you when you can't carry yourself or you're too proud to allow others to help you you could miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime to change your situation and so they bear him on a stretcher all four men and they arrive at the house that Jesus is in they are not insiders they are outsiders and when they get to the house from outside they can see a crowd all around the house so that the access way the door is completely blocked and not by people who will give way and step aside for you but by people who are as eager as you because they have a need too in their lives that only Jesus can fix so trying to get through them would be an exercise in futility because they want to get in and push all the way into his face-to-face -face presence 2nd Corinthians 3 and 17 and so they're disappointed that when they get there there's no way for them to come into his presence and going back for them is not an option uh, going back home without my breakthrough is not on the agenda can I get a witness from somebody I am not going to get past September without my breakthrough happening in my life September is my month in the presence of Jesus and I ain't going into November or October until I carry my breakthrough with me I ain't going back empty I don't know if you hear me but I don't want your house I want my house I don't want your praise I want my praise I don't want your financial breakthrough I need my financial breakthrough I don't want your healing or your victory I want my healing and my victory I'll clap for yours but sure enough you're gonna to have to clap for mine too I don't want your joy over what happened for you I want my joy over what God is getting ready to do for me I don't want your breakthrough I want my breakthrough and they couldn't find a way in to his presence and so they looked at the window no way uh, they looked upstairs there was no crowd there but there was also no way there but where there seems to be no way uh, lazy faith will not make an attempt but audacious faith will climb where men would dare to tread somehow we're not told how they made it up but we do get told that they made it up to the roof and when they got to the roof there's still two layers of barrier in between him and where Jesus is and the Bible says that they begun to break down the barrier if you don't break down the barrier you ain't gonna get to him if you don't close out all the obstacles you ain't gonna get to him but when they realized that the only thing standing between them and Jesus the one who could fix it was this barrier made of concrete and ceiling tiles they started to break up the house they didn't care what the owner thought we'll fix it later but we'll get our miracle now they didn't care what the householders wanted they said I'm going away with my miracle and when I get my miracle I'll fix your house but I'm not gonna let your house get in the way of my miracle I've got to get my miracle who am I talking to then go ahead and text four or five people and tell them break down the barrier until you see him face to face do you not know that there's a face-to-face -face possibility between you and the presence of the one who can fix it his name is Jesus please take the roof off my faith uh, get the roof out of the way of my faith it's standing between me and him remove the ceiling from my faith I don't know who you are but I feel led to tell somebody that you are one step 
step away from your open door. You are one break away from your turnaround. You are one broken tile away from your healing and your deliverance. You are one more hammer or shovel away from your breakthrough. You are one step away from the business that will change your whole life. You are one consultancy away from your whole transformation. Don't let the ceiling keep you out. Don't let the roof stop you. You have to move on it now. The breakthrough is yours. Break through it until you see him face to face. Now hear me. This same place where you would want to throw up your hands and let the tsunami destroy you is also the same place of your breakthrough. Can I get a witness from somebody? The same place where others quit depending on what you believe it is the same place that you can get your breakthrough. The same place where people miss how powerful God is is the same place where you can find out how available the power of God is towards you. It's the same place. It's that brink. It's that edge. That place of complete and total discouragement is also the place to know that if you just believe that you can get to Jesus, he will break through for you. And what I'm trying to say is that the place where you most feel like quitting is the exact place to hold on to him and not let him go until he blesses you. God wants you to have confidence in who he is and in nobody else. He wants you where your confidence is in no one else but him. Now listen carefully because this is the time when you and your circle must begin to pull away the roof of your faith and tear it down. I've got to get in there to see him. Don't walk away from me now. I'm not even going to tolerate a conversation between my four saying that we can't go further. We've got to go. You cannot afford to have a circle of people around you who see going back as an option. You didn't carry me all the way out here to carry me back. We agreed that you'd carry me there and we would walk back together. You didn't carry me all the way here so that you could carry me back home. You carried me here so that we could walk back together. And so they've broken up the house and the roof has created a, a cavity that's big enough for a horizontal stretcher to be let down by ropes and they lower him down into the very presence of the master. Now listen carefully. Here is the master. He hears a noise upstairs and he's preaching. He hears battering on the roof and then he sees roof tiles falling into his very presence almost in the exact location and he is astonished. None of the insiders are reported to have taken a miracle from him yet because he's still preaching. He's not yet working miracles. But then he sees this man who is paralyzed being lowered down into his presence. And then he's laid down there whilst the master's looking at him. And the Bible said he saw their faith. Can I ask you a question? Can he see your faith? It doesn't matter if it's big faith or little faith. In fact, he says, as long as you have faith the size of a mustard seed, it's enough faith to move mountains away with all this religiosity and legalistic preaching that says that if you're going to have big miracles you must have big faith the last time I read my Bible he said even if you have only faith as small as a mustard seed you can move mountains it's not about the size of your faith it's about the audacity the intensity of your insisting that once I can get to him he makes up my faith he fills up what's lacking in my ability to exchange currency with him for my breakthrough. Hear me, child of God. When he saw their faith, he looked at the man. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. And there was a bunch of scribes there who in their minds reasoned and said, why is this man blaspheming like such? Who is it but God that can forgive sins? And listen to what happens now. Jesus says, why do you reason so in your minds? Uh, you will see that the son of man uh, who forgives sins also has power to call the one who is sick of paralysis
senses to rise up and walk and take his bed out. Uh, and he looks at the man uh, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, uh, take up your bed, arise, and go to thine house. Notice now that he didn't say, Thus saith the Lord. In other words, he was countering their action to let them know, I am the Lord. Uh, because when the prophet spoke in hither times, uh, Jeremiah would stand and say, Thus saith the Lord. Uh, Isaiah would stand and say, Thus saith the Lord. Uh, uh, Zephaniah would stand and say, Thus saith the Lord. Zechariah, Thus saith the Lord. Obadiah, Thus saith the Lord. Uh, Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord. David, Thus saith the Lord. Moses, Thus saith the Lord. Joshua, Thus saith the Lord. But when it was Jesus' turn, uh, he did not say, Thus saith the Lord, because he is the Lord. He said, I say unto you, take up your bed and walk. Arise, get up from there. Can I prophesy to you this morning? It's time for you to rise. Even if you couldn't rise before, the master has spoken it. Rise. Rise to your responsibility. Rise to carry what's been carrying you for ages. The organization has been carrying you, but it's time for you to carry the organization. The family has been carrying you. It's time for you to carry the family. Uh, the people have been carrying you, but it's now time for you to carry the people who were carrying you. The power is in the word. It cannot return to him void. It will empower the area of paralysis that you had and cause you to have strength where you had weakness. Please give me a witness, somebody. I don't know who you are, where you are, but you are about to get a sudden miracle somewhere in the next few weeks, somewhere before November has had its full. You are going to break through so remarkably that you will be the amazement of a generation, the amazement of a community. The Bible says that immediately Jesus spoke, the man rose up, he took up his bed, and in front of them all, he walked away to their amazement. God is about to do something so amazing in somebody's life. He's about to do something so astonishing in your life. If you believe it, I want you to text three or four people right now and tell them something is about to happen in your life. Uh, God is up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something. Yeah. Can you imagine now how the four men who brought the man sick with Paul to Jesus must have felt having broken up the roof broken through and let him down and then watched him or heard the pandemonium that he was walking and they see the guy who has been carried for a long time he's walking and he's got his bed on his back he's walking He's walking. He's walking where people who had seen him for years, unable to walk, being carried by others. God has a way of choosing popular failures to become popular beneficiaries of his grace. And all it takes now is for you to remove the ceiling from your faith. In fact, real faith has no ceiling. Just as I must come into his presence. Do you know that it's impossible to enter heaven with your body and for your body not to be completely healed. Do you know that it's impossible to be in heaven and not be completely whole? Because once you come into his presence, everything that is lacking in your life is completely healed. So my time is far done. And I want to leave you with this. Just come. That's all faith really is, is you just coming with confidence that if I can come into his presence, I am made completely whole, let alone living in his presence. The breakthrough is yours. God bless you in every way. Thank you, Pastor Argo, for the opportunity to share with your people. Do you have a wonderful day and a wonderful conference. The best is yet to come.